Welcome to Amusement Sparks, the theme park design show. I'm your host, Andrew Spawn, and with me today is Cody Swanson of Weekly EPE Podcast. How are you doing, Cody? I'm doing well. <laughs> it's a good day here. Awesome. Your show is really interesting and really engaging, and I think we might have some, like, there's some similarities between the shows that, that they're kind of creative on a short amount of time. Can you tell our, our audience a little bit more about your show? Yeah, so um, it's we have guests on different musicians from all over the world, and they have seven days to write and record a, uh, a 10 to 20 minute record. So, you know, the goal is that it's 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 doable. Like it is, you know, you could you could write four two and a half minute songs, and that would that would make the cut. Uh, right. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. Basically, seven days to write a 10 to 20 minute song, and then. Uh, we listen to the full record on the podcast, and then we just talk about what instruments they used, uh, what, what their recording process is, and some of them are really out there. Like, I would have never thought to record music that way. Right. It is so cool hearing the differences between each episode, because each episode is a different musician, and the, the music varies, you know, wildly. But also, yeah, your website, weeklyeps.com, is really cool for the map showing you where your guests are located on the planet. Yeah. I think that's that's a really cool feature. That was my friend Katarina's idea. And it was, uh, it just, like, I wanted to figure out some way of representing the guests. And she was just like, do a map. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. Like, it's, yeah, it's great. It's, it's very simple. It's kind of funny. I realized when I did it, I was like, I have a lot of people from, like, the north of North America. You know, it's like, yeah, it was like this weird line that was just kind of going from east <laughs> to west. So I'm trying to, you know, get some people from Georgia and Texas and stuff in there too. But Yeah. And I mean, it'll it'll get bigger and bigger, I'm sure, over time. Because you, you started this during like COVID stuff, didn't you? Yeah, the, like the right before. You know, like I, I think I put yeah. the trailer out sometime in like um, early, mid-March, like right before stuff started shutting down over here. And wow. so it was sort of like uh, the first episode launched... Yeah, like right as it was like really going full blown, I was like, "All right, I guess this is a COVID <laughs> podcast now," <laughs> you know? which works, you know, for shows like this where it's generally recorded over some kind of you know Skype or whatever video chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on Google Hangouts at the moment, but yeah, that's really cool. And you said over here, meaning you're not in North America. You happen to be in. I'm in uh, Berlin, Germany. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, that's really convenient because uh, the topic that you chose to do on our theme park is Berlin. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it works that you, that you have that you live there. How long have you lived there and what brought you there? My wife and I moved here three years ago, actually almost three years ago this it was this month and uh, we did like a one of those standards kind of like let's save up some money we'll spend uh you know a month in the summer going on a trip through europe we uh yeah we, we went to a bunch of places like barcelona you know iceland uh prague london you know all these things and uh berlin we had a day and a half with <laughs> you know when you schedule trips and you're like we have two and a half days there and you're like oh no because we arrive in the evening and we fly you know so we had a day and a half here but we fell in love with the city and just uh came back the next year for a full month because uh, we wanted to do laundry and go grocery shopping. So <laughs> those are important things when you move when you live in a city. You're, you know, you want to know like what is it like to do this, and um, yeah, and we just continued to to just really love it, and, and then you know a year or so later we just made the move. That is so cool! Wow, uh, my wife and I had the luxury of going to Europe about a year ago. My stepmom, luckily, is really into like Ancestry.com, which that's a huge thing. If you are you know, privileged enough to have recorded ancestral records somewhere, mm-hmm. it's really cool to get into that stuff. 
because we can trace back 16 generations, which is, oh wow, to me, way farther than I ever thought we would be able to go with it. Um, and I don't know if it's 100% accurate, but it's, you know, you can go back and trace, and it's like, yeah, they have the same last name, and that's wild. Um, I know our family directly has been in the United States since, like, the Revolutionary War, but beyond that was Germany, um, Rockenhausen, I believe. But uh, it's just kind of cool to go back to a, a country where your ancestors came from, even if it was you know, 10 or 8 generations ago, they did at some point come from there. And it's cool to be able to connect with that a little bit and kind of connect with the land and everything. Um, But we got to go to Bonn, Germany, which was really cool, and several other places in Europe. Um, We didn't go to Berlin, unfortunately, but it does seem like a super cool place. And the Wikipedia article is incredible. I've spent (laughs) hours and hours on that article and following links. And man, it's pretty cool to... I'm just a huge fan of culture and like cities where a lot of stuff has happened over the years and like things have evolved and changed are really fascinating and like oh yeah immersive it's i would rather read a wikipedia um, page that's really detailed like this than like read a novel like Mm. i just love the way it unfolds and like you can dive down a rabbit hole and then come back out and then there's still more interesting stuff located around that it's just a really engaging way to explore it sort of is like a a choose your own adventure (laughs) history book you know because it's like you might be reading about, I don't know, yeah, Berlin or some city, and then suddenly you read about, a, I don't know, like an auto, like an old like transportation company, and there's a hyperlink there, and you're like, oh, like, <laughs> when was that founded, you know? And then suddenly, two hours later, you're reading about like where like the iron for old train tracks came from, you know? And you're just like, right. oh, what was I reading? You know, it's like, it's amazing. For a curious mind with, you know, maybe a little bit of some kind of attention deficit, um, it's really, really <laughs> engaging. I remember in college, we would play this game, I guess, nerd game, uh, where we would come up with like a, a random topic. I think you'd go to Wikipedia and hit like random entry, and then we would all have our laptops out. We would all start on the same page, so let's say Berlin, and then we have to race to find, um, let's say, Winona Ryder's uh, Wikipedia page through just <laughs> clicking on links. You're not allowed to type anything. So you have to <laughs> roll, like scroll through to be like, Berlin is a city in Germany. You click Germany. Germany is a country. You click country. And then, like, you're trying to zoom out to zoom back into North America or, you know, mm-hmm. trying to figure out where where Winona Ryder's from or whatever. <laughs> um, it's super fun, and, and it was pretty nerdy, but also shows you how interconnected the world is and how Wikipedia yeah. is, like, a map of that almost. Like, it's it's kind of crazy, honestly. I mean, it, it's an amazing project not to go too far into the weeds of Wikipedia. But, <laughs> you know, when I, was in, when I was in school, it was not considered a reputable source for anything. Right. Even though it was one of the best research tools, even then it was, you know, I guess this is, this is what, like, um, 2009, 2008, you know, something like that. It's like, it was, it was still one of the best research tools, but you weren't allowed to use it in research papers. Now I believe it is completely legit. Like now it's like Wikipedia is considered because it's so, um, it's so kind of hive mind maintained. Right, right. Back in the day, you could just add something on there. Like I remember in college, just adding stuff on there. Like I'd go to a local concert and then add some detail that the band did on the wikipedia page Mm -hmm. because i thought i was like this is interesting stuff i would have wanted to read this if i wasn't at that concert this thing that they do live that's not on any albums um but then you know nowadays you can't there's such a checks and balances system which is really cool that there's so many passionate people that spend hundreds of hours every year editing stuff on wikipedia (laughs) yeah i can't imagine (laughs) it's kind of cool like i could see myself you know in my old age getting really into that it's almost like being a librarian or something like uh, yeah yeah i mean it's keeping track of all this info it's like a world librarian and it's an historian and 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think a, a fascinating, well, I don't, maybe not to everyone, but to me, a fascinating documentary or something could be on the, uh, the, the you know, the, the people on the front line who are uh, battling the, the trolls trying to put in, like, you yes. know, weird entries in Taylor Swift's page or something, you know. <laughs> like, what are their, what are their, what are their routine, like, routines like, you know, every day when they're, they're going in and they're like, okay, like, I got to take this out, I got to fix this, check this, and just like the battle. I can't remember the name of it, but there's um, there's a resource within Wikipedia you can get to that is kind of like minutes on the meeting where they were discussing why this detail should be omitted. Because um, <laughs> there's such a system of checks and balances and you have to have like a basically a paper trail and cite your sources that some um, articles, especially if it's an issue that people debate over a lot or you know it's like a political issue, someone might see something as a fact and someone else might see that as not a fact and that's propaganda and right. so you'll you'll be able to click on the page i forget what it's called unfortunately but there's like behind the scenes stuff you can see of like when this piece was added in and then this political thing happened so they took it back out and it's really an interesting resource and wow that's not what we're here to talk about but that's what <laughs> podcasts are for i guess is a little bit of um you know talking about what we're interested in instead of what we plan to talk about <laughs> yeah berlin is a city in germany it's the the current capital there and it's been around for a long time um and we're trying to make a theme park out of that i think this is our first like location-based theme park that i can think of uh so yeah i'm curious to see how this one turns out but are you picturing this being like a a, like hmm little berlin like a yeah i think small representation of it yeah i think in my mind it would be like a miniature berlin because cool. there's this there's the this uh, train called the Ringbahn. Um, there's uh, the transportation in Berlin is fantastic. It's there's two different companies. Um, I'm going to get so many facts wrong when I talk about this and pronunciations <laughs> wrong. But basically, there's the Bifalge, which is like the subway system, and there's some above ground trains too. But they're more the the Berlin center, and then there's the Deutsche Bahn, which kind of runs a bunch of regional trains and. Uh, a lot of the above ground trains that connect to other parts outside the city and they have a train called the Ringbahn which is there's a lot of branches of it but generally it's two trains that kind of go in different directions around the entire city um, or what's kind of considered the city proper so I sort of imagine um, this is sort of part of the transportation system within the park you know as you could sort of have a Mm -hmm. miniature version of that and then a couple trains that go, you know, from the main the main train lines, to kind of in Berlin, like the um, the popular kind of train lines. You could have those throughout as well. But you know, I just think that'd be a really fun way for like, you know, imagine families kind of <laughs> getting around the park in a similar yeah. way that you'd get around the city. Because it's it's one of those things where you can do a lot of cut throughs, but if you can get to the ring, you can just kind of straight shoot, kind of like a clock almost, just like out the perimeter and just get to the other side of the city pretty easily and pretty fast. So. Uh, something kind of like that. Yeah, and I feel like that's a pretty familiar structure for at least a lot of Americans. Like, I feel like a lot of our cities are kind of based on European cities where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, just have the the highway do a big loop around the outside. Yeah, exactly. And then you can kind of use that to get other places instead of having it be a pure grid or something, which isn't always very practical mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, when there's geography happening and lakes yeah. and stuff. Um, but, yeah, no, that's, that's cool. I think the transportation is a big part of it, and the city is well known for having awesome transportation. So representing that on a smaller scale and then being able to explore 
Berlin and use the map that's actually shaped like Berlin. That would be so cool. Mm-hmm. I love that concept. Um, no, so that that's a great way to kind of start out, and then that allows us to explore a lot of the things that make that that city great. Like a lot of the landmarks we could do as as attractions or like as their own buildings, but you know, a smaller yeah, yeah. scale. <laughs> It's yeah. kind of going to be a, a bit of a caricature, you know, like a, a chibi version of the city where things are really big. One part's really big when it should be actually kind of smaller. And, you know, the scale is going to be off, in other words. And I do want to preface this with saying that um, I have mentioned this idea to a couple of friends. And it, it did occur to me that probably a lot of people that live in Berlin might hate the idea of a Berlin theme park. <laughs> because I think it's, yeah, it's sure. sort of uh, anti... Uh, sort of the whole vibe of Berlin, but I just, I think it would just be so much fun. You know, if I ever move away from Berlin, if it was done correctly, this would be something that I think would just be a lot of fun to go to. Right. And for someone who's never been there or maybe never been to Germany, like, um, not that it would be a place for like field trips, but maybe, who knows, (laughs) like it at least is an introduction to this. And, um, Berlin has a lot of historical significance, cultural significance, like a lot of interesting arts. So it's not like it's just all you know junk food and like carnival games like there's some no, actual no, like yeah. value I think to uh, to put into this theme park i think if the park owners were uh, smart they would put just enough historical value in there to get that school money that get that field trip money in there right? <laughs> yeah exactly i mean kind of like the uh thing is called world showcase thing at, at epcot like uh-huh. this is a small representation like a, a little uh, entree into well Entree actually means entry. So that's the right word, I guess. But like uh, an appetizer, so to speak, about that culture and some of that history. And like you're not going to learn it all, but here's the other links on Wikipedia. You can follow up when you get home. Yeah, maybe like an appetizer and a dessert combo. You know, just... Oh, that's wonderful. Wouldn't have the full substance, but you'd you'd get a good idea and then you'd have maybe a lot of fun, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, maybe a little beer, too. Uh, yeah, well, we can get to, we can get to that later, but um, yeah, in terms of like the park drinks and the uh, and the food, I think there's a lot of fun opportunities for that. Ich hoffe eines Tages wir gewinnen das Rennen, wie bei Red Dead Redemption. Irgendwann der letzte Geschenks, Spinner Rims glänzen, Rennen hinterher wie Yosemite Sam. Ich kam rein ohne Bändchen und veränder die Welt. One of the first things to kind of talk about is, are we going to follow a specific uh, time period? Or is it just present day Berlin and some of those sites have history that are older? I Yeah, so I, I was thinking maybe similar to sort of the ideas that you had in your Zelda episode, actually. Hmm. Perhaps some some areas where you can go into... A section and you know a kind of special door will move or something and you kind of go back into the past because uh, one thing I think would be a shame to uh, ignore would be like the Weimar period like you know the the roaring uh, 20s or whatever you know before before the crash before uh, fascism right um, you know Berlin was the city in the world for not just hedonism but for I mean gay people, trans people, like performers, artists, musicians, you know, actors, like everyone that was doing something creative and wanted to like live life in a uh, extreme or a new way or kind of open way. Like Berlin was the place, which is kind of why it was, you know, the, the sad irony of 
what then happened, but it was, that period was such a magnificent, you know, in terms of just aesthetics, but also just in, in culture, you know. You could definitely have certain attractions that are set in the 20s or, you know, set in different time periods. That's that's a really good point, though. And it's also interesting, you pointed out, like, Berlin was such a high of, of culture and progress among humans on the planet. And then, you know, 10 years later, it was like the complete opposite of that. Yeah. It's so strange, the, the absolute extremes of of humanity that are represented within just the history of one city because there's a lot of progress that happened there. Um, it was an important birthplace for the LGBTQ movement. Um, there's the first gay magazine was founded there in 1896 and there's, you know, same sex bars and dance halls and all that stuff since the 1880s. Like that's just amazing to me that it was such a beacon of, of progress. I mean, and back then it was much more truly progress. Like this is a hundred years ago, over a hundred years ago. And these are still things that people are like a little uncomfortable about in certain parts of the world still to this day. It's really interesting too, that you think of progress as being moving away from the past, but in some cases it's like, no, if we could just go back, things could be better in certain ways. It's, it's interesting. So yeah, the city has a really rich history like that, like lots of ups and downs and different time periods that, that meant different things. And it's cool to be able to explore that. Probably for a number of reasons. There uh, would be some time periods you'd want to avoid. So that's kind of an elephant in the room, right? Berlin was an important thing to the Nazis, right? Uh, that's a dark period on human history. It was going to be the world capital. Like it was yeah. when, when they ruled the world, it was going to be the capital of the world. Like the whole city was going to be transformed into this like if you've ever seen uh, the show Man in the High Castle, mm-hmm. so that they don't really show too much, but there are glimpses out of the window. So there's a there's a um, there's a, an old airstrip here called the Tempelhoferfeld, which is um, it was a Nazi airport that is now an insanely awesome public park. This huge, like the runways are still there, and the airport is still there, but um, occasionally they'll open it for public tours. And I went with some friends, and it's. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, fan, it's, it's fantastic just because you see all these old, you know, it's an old design for an airport. It's very interesting. But in one of the rooms, they had sort of a exhibition of the plans for, because kind of where Tempelhof, Tempelhof was going to be where like diplomats and stuff would land. And then there would be this huge promenade that would kind of go from there into um, what is now kind of the museum area of, of the city, the center of the city. Uh, and like the Reichstag and stuff and so it was going to be this like epic thoroughfare kind of from the airport straight into the city and so they have these models or photos of the architectural plans for how the city was going to be you know transformed into this epic magnificent world capital so that was like that was yeah I mean that was even though (laughs) Berlin is built on a swamp and like (laughs) that amount of concrete would have just been I mean I (laughs) In some alternate reality, like Man in the High Castle, it might have all sunk. And I mean, the amount of uh, you know maintenance required for for all those structures they wanted to build and the giant like colossal like statues and stuff. I mean, it would have been, I think, probably a nightmare from a city. Right. It, it's kind of interesting. It's similar to Disney World too, where they're like, "This is a horrible place that no one would ever want to build on." So <laughs> let's build all of our you know like innovative stuff there. Like, I mean, good. I'm glad that happened. Like, it probably meant they had lower you know property rates that allowed them to spend money on their innovations and stuff 
obviously that's different for Berlin, which had a long history of being there, but I think the name evolves from words meaning like swamp land or something like that. It's very interesting. Uh, yeah. So that airport, I've heard, a, I think, a 99% Invisible episode about it. Oh, it sounds like such podcast. a fascinating place. <laughs> yeah, it's a great podcast. Yeah. That airport is amazing because uh, it's a great place for outdoor sports. You know, you can uh, bike, jog. There's this actually a really nice little skate park in there as well. Wow. There's an art mini golf place. What? So it's like all these different artists design different mini golf holes. And you can go and you pay like three euro and you can play through these. You can drink beer, of course, while you do it. And all these different crazy, like you hit the ball and it goes up into like a little basket up to the top. And then it tips off and like falls and does all, th- all these little things or flames. And there's also, you know, basketball, baseball. Stuff like that. There's a lot of people on kite boards, but there's uh, there's grill plots, like some places where you can grill. There's uh, community gardens. It's like I mean, it's it's a and there's also I think currently there's a, a refugee camp as well, like a refugee housing. Wow. Um, because it's it's huge. It's like if you were to just walk across it, it would take you a very long time. Like it's not a place that you bring mm-hmm. your your parents. You know, and be like, let's walk <laughs> through here. Like, you, know, you get like a third of the way through, and they're like, wait, how long is this? Or how what? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you, you, you think that you see the, the other side when you're standing there, but actually that's just some trees in the middle. It looks like the, the end, like wow. the distant end, but it's, it's a huge place, and it's just right in the middle of, you know, this dense neighborhood. And it's just this huge kind of sunken, slightly sunken, open area. And it's kind of, uh, you know, you go there in the summer with some friends, you have like a picnic, and it's just... Um, yeah, it's like instantly you don't feel like you're in a city. I mean, Berlin is a very um, comfortable and breathable city in a lot of ways anyway, but this mm-hmm. is just like suddenly you're like just all sky, you know? <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds incredible, and it would be so cool to, to try to replicate that. And then I also really love the the kind of representation of modern, more progressive culture, like, like you said, you know, having refugee um, support there and stuff like that. Um, built up on this this building and these grounds that were built by nazis like that is yeah. it's really cool to see that repurposed in almost like culture jamming type of way of like we're taking your things that we don't agree with and repurposing them to serve our purposes now like because now we're in control and that's just a yeah. really powerful thing and i think that's a way to um not erase the like nazi components but make mm-hmm. the park a very vibrant place and you know yeah obviously jewish friendly place but like we could include a lot of stuff from kind of uh representing jewish culture and maybe educational f- details highlighting that and highlighting kind of what survived the nazis are dead and everything they were against survived maybe yeah i think that would be a good way to to handle that that elephant would be kind of uh yeah show having elements where you can kind of have you know again also to get that um uh field trip money so <laughs> you know some, some plaques and some kind of parts of these areas that kind of uh, dive a bit into the 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 history and sort of the kind of alternate life of some of these places you know and kind of showing like yeah. oh, okay you know it's like if you had a, a little mini Tempelhof in there in the park you could you know you could have um some people that are grilling out you know you could buy some some grilled food and sit in the park you know so in the field you know you could you could rent uh, kite boards or <laughs> actually have segway tours somewhere in there and you, could, you could rent some segways and ride around on you know the fake old uh, airport you know and um you know but yeah you could have some of those elements in there 
But I think I think it would be a great place. Maybe I mean it's hard to choose because there's so many good parks in Berlin. But you could. I think one thing I think it would be amazing about the idea of of having Berlin as a as a theme park is that you could. Sorry, amusement park. Uh, is that you could? Um, <laughs> they're they're interchangeable yeah, to yeah. me. I don't know. Um, is that um, it would give you so many opportunities to have parks and and green space to relax from the chaos of being in an amusement park. Right. Like, I, I think those are important spaces where you can take a load off and. Um, generally, at least, you know, in the United States, a lot of theme parks are like in Florida and California where you want to maybe have like kind of an air conditioned area, mm-hmm. but you know, depending on our climate, just having it be outdoor space with a nice breeze would be really cool. Yeah. I, and the, it, like, you know, just the actual city itself. I've never lived somewhere with so many parks and not just parks, but like there's water elements. The playgrounds in Berlin are some of the most amazing. My wife is a is an educator. She's a kindergarten teacher. Oh wow! And um, you know, I mean, in the U.S., you would call it like a, you know, she's a preschool teacher. She's like a you know, she's she's been doing it for like ten years, and she's like an amazing educator. And when we got here, she just we were walking around the first time visiting, and the, the playgrounds like they're on they're on on a different planet compared to the ones in the U S like there are playgrounds here where, um, there's a section that you can climb up to if you're a kid and it's, I don't know, eight feet off the ground, seven feet off the ground. And it's just like a rail for your feet, like a, like a pipe for your feet, like a curved pipe in a circle. And then there's like a rope or like a, another bar that you can, that's going the same way that you can hold on to. And you just walk around the circle and, a lot of the aesthetics or the kind of design principles are that if you're old enough to get up to these areas, you're also old enough to fall off of them. <laughs> wow. And then if you fall off, you know, it's, you know, it's like mulch or something, you know, it's like, you're not probably going to hurt yourself that much, but if you do, even if you break your arm and obviously that's not the goal, but even if you do, it's like, well, <laughs> you've now learned a good lesson, which is that like, Hey, maybe be really careful next time yes. or, you know, wait for a little while until you try something. And it's like, because that's sort of allowed and there's not this like terrified, Oh God, like, you know, like put the rubber ground and like the plastic slides, they can, they can only be a foot off the ground or else the kids will die. And, you know, because there's <laughs> not this fear, the design of the playgrounds, it's like, I look at them and I'm like, like we had, a, we had a, uh, some friends that are a couple and they have a, a, a young kid and, you know, sometimes we're hanging out and I, I like to like go with my friend and his kid into the playground just so I can like play on it, you know, because it's so, <laughs> the, some of the playgrounds are amazing. So, of course, wow. in this amusement park, we would have to have a number of great playgrounds. Yes. There's one area in, in, um, in the city that um, it, there's canals. We'd have to have the canals, of course, in there, the river, because you can sit. There's a lot of areas with like the slanted, sort of like uh, when you see iconic pictures of um, the Spree in, in Paris. Or sorry, that's the, the Spree is the, uh, the, the Berlin. It's the one in Berlin. <laughs> yeah, uh, what's, the, uh, what's the Paris River? Oh, uh, Seine? Oh my God, yeah, the it's the Seine, yeah. yeah. So yeah. <laughs> when you see iconic <laughs> images of people sitting by the river in Paris, they have like this kind of slanted uh, kind of walls down with like a little area where you can kind of sit, like a ledge. And they have that along the canals here. And... There's one area in uh, the neighborhood of Neukölln where, where the 
three different sections of the canal kind of meet in this uh, delta area, sort of kind of larger <clears throat> kind of lake area. And uh, there's a beer garden that is then right next to a really nice big playground. And then there's the kind of canal lake right on the other side of that. And so you can actually go there with, with friends that have kids and you can have like a pint of beer and you can sit there and your kid, the kids are just like running around the playground, you know, and it's this beautiful little area, but it's like, you could, tr I mean, I don't know how much beer you could reasonably, depends on the country where this is, like <laughs> have in the, in the park because like it would be great if you could have families come and you could allow the parents to have a beer at a beer garden and there's yeah. a playground attached to it. I think that's reasonable. And that, that pairing makes perfect sense because the kids are going to be bored if they're sitting in a bar. The parents yeah. are going to get, get tired or bored. I mean, unless it was someone like you, I suppose, or someone like me who's like <laughs> fascinated by this uh, playground. Yeah. But most parents would be like bored of that. So it seems like a pretty good and relatively you know safe marriage where you can keep an eye on the kid, not be a helicopter parent, not be a, a nuisance to them, but also be able to go help them if they need help, which... Yeah. I feel like most kids don't actually need help on a playground unless they're like a toddler, like they're going to fall over all the time. But, you know, even even so, it's like, you you know, this happened once with our friend's kid. And it's like he fell over and we just kind of, you know, watched him, made sure he wasn't hurt, hurt. But like, you know, he, he started crying a little bit. If they're not bleeding or broken, yeah, they'll be okay. Yeah, he like cried a little bit. He looked around like no one was right around him and he just got back up and got back on the seesaw and was smiling again within seconds. It's like, okay, yeah, he's fine. It teaches him to solve his own problems and yeah, yeah that he yeah. doesn't need mommy or daddy for mm -hmm. everything. Uh, resilience, yeah. <laughs> That's really smart. And I actually had an idea for a playground here. I didn't realize the, the playground scene was so cool, but I really love playgrounds for the same reasons you explained there. But um, I'm a big fan of German expressionism as an art style. And I've been on like a, a horror movie, early horror kick recently. Nice. So there's a film, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which has th this one particular scene of all these um, bizarre angles of like a city's skyline and characters are kind of like running around on it. And it looks like a playground. And I was like, why don't they, if we just made that real, like it's, it almost looks like a mix between a really angular, bizarre like nightmare skate park with a playground. Um, but it's also pays homage to this, you know, hundred plus year old art form, Yeah. at least expressed in film. Um, th that would be so cool to have, you know, as a playground or maybe even as a mini golf place, if there's already this like really innovative artsy mini golf, which by the way, that's my absolute dream. I can't believe I didn't know that that existed. Um, <laughs> I think that would be really cool as a whole of mini golf too, having a, yeah. Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, really like bizarre off-putting angles and yeah, there's like a bunch of ways to get the ball to the actual final hole, but it's just like kind of random almost how it bounces off all the surfaces and angles. And a lot of times, like the way something looks is not the way it actually functions. It's almost like an optical illusion in some ways. Oh yeah, lots of mirrors maybe. Yeah. Oh god, I didn't even think about that. But I was thinking like something looks like it's going downhill, but it's actually going uphill. Like uh -huh. that kind of illusion could be really funny in a mini golf context where you're like you oh, try to man. hit the ball and you think it's going to go downhill, but it actually goes up in the air, and you're like, what? What is oh that's that's a ramp going up like that'd just be so fun i think if i could have like almost one of the the ultimate careers it would be a mini golf designer that's what i want to do after i retire like that's that's my like side project i've been planning on that for like years i, I love that in the same way that there are like people that get flown all over the world to build skate parks 
Right. You know, like, especially a lot of companies and people from California, like they'll just go all over to, you know, I'm from uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and there's an amazing skate park there. And um, some, you know, some, you know, skate park designer came from, you know, out in the West Coast and like built this awesome park. And if that job existed for, like, for mini golf, where you could just like, right? go like, it should just like go all over the world and be like, okay, so you know this is what i'm thinking based on your local culture and you know like the space i think we could do this like i think it's it's so accepted as kind of a lower art form of just like let's just copy and paste what everyone else is doing right, right. let's just have a, a windmill and uh you know everything else is just flat like people accept that people go to that it's not blowing anyone's mind but they'll go to it once a year but if it was a higher art form where you know around cost twenty dollars and like all the newspapers were talking about it all the time. Yeah. I think that'd be so cool if our if the culture appreciated mini golf more. I still remember one hole I went to in, we're getting way off topic, but I still remember one hole that I went to in, on a road trip as a kid in Florida. And it was this amazing, like the, the, the whole, like you went up this mountain. It was like kind of pirate thing, but you like went up this mountain as you played. You know, in the 18th hole, you hit the ball and it went all the way down this like little sort of, stream river like ravine that just kind of went all the way down the hole like all the way to the bottom you know and you could kind of like <laughs> run after it and um wow. but there was one hole that was a pretty straightforward hole but then you realize that there's like and there's like a little stream going by it on the side and you realize there's actually like a alternate path sort of like mario kart where you could hit it and it would <laughs> go actually like into the water into the stream and then go down to the, like, with, like, floating the water down. And then, you know, at the end there was a grate and, like, a little barrier. And the ball would come up and then bounce off, like, really close to the hole. Wow. And it was, like, this really weird little shortcut. I still remember, like, hitting it and being like, <gasps> you know, like, you can do that, you know, like. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's so cool, that, like, thrill of discovery. And people just, I feel like, not to knock people who design modern, you know, mini golf places, but I feel like. They usually have pretty low budgets and low expectations, and there's so much cool imaginative stuff that you can pull from from video games or from skate parks too. Of like, just do this in a really cool, imaginative, playful way. There, um, there is just not done very much. There is one here. Um, so another another kind of bigger park, or, or it's actually much smaller than Templehof, but it's uh, it's in kind of sandwiched between a couple kind of popular you know, hip neighborhoods. Uh, in this park called uh, Gorlitzer Park, called uh, Gorley for short, and they have like a little bar kind of area, and in the basement, there's a blacklight mini golf, and they give you the old style red and blue 3D glasses, (laughs) and you go down there, and sometimes there's like a bunch of kids, and it's like a birthday party, and they, they don't go through in any proper order, so it's chaos, but it's fairly simple holes but it's in super crazy black light colors and with the 3d glasses everything's like distorted and weird (laughs) and then the last room is actually sort of really skate park based like there's one hole where it's just a straight kind of uh, uh, section that then curves up like a skate ramp to the wall and then it just there's at the top like almost by the ceiling there's like a little bell Wow. And you have to like hit the ball up and hit the bell. Wall and right up there. And then there's another Man. one that's like a, a it's like a, like a quarter ramp, you know, quarter pipe kind of thing that like launches up. And then there's a gap of I don't know, almost a foot. And then there's another one on the other side that it's supposed to go down on. And then you know the holes at the end, just like crazy stuff like that. And it's all it's all super bright day glow colors. And it's it's almost impossible to play, but it's a lot of fun. 
<laughs> that sounds amazing. And then, so in my quest for these kinds of places, and you know, whenever I go on vacation anywhere, I try to find skate parks and mini golf places. Like those are two things that always captivate my mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, or hopefully they do. Hopefully it's not just another copy and pasted one. But usually it's not. Usually yeah. the theme, the skate parks are different, and the mini golf places are a little different. But um, so in that quest, I've turned to trying to play mini golf video games. And so many of them are just boring too. It's like, why are you constricted by the rules of you have the low budget for this hole or like we can't have any pyrotechnics on this because it's mini golf. It's like, no, go crazy. Like do this really wild, you know, off the wall type of stuff. I tried to play a, a VR mini golf game and it, I think it had some of the same things you're talking about. I think it, there, it's com- community based so you can build um, mm. you know, extra ramps, like community ramps for it. But the ones that came with the game... Oh, cool. Or not ramps, but um, poles. Like, you know, the, the ones that came in the game were... You know, the backgrounds were fun and, and fantastical. It was floating or whatever, but it's like it wasn't particularly wild. But I think that's also maybe it's harder to program... Right, or or the audience is already like going to be dizzy from the VR, so you don't want the <laughs> yeah. let's throw them it. to have to stand upside down on a loop to if their yeah, ball gets stuck up there. I guess we'll take away the flying dragon and uh, you know the, <laughs> you know like that kind of stuff or the the, the giant uh, whale, you know, take that out of there. I don't know, I don't know what they're doing, but yeah, I, I don't think anything really replaces the a good real mini golf course, but uh, yeah. We're, that's that's awesome we're man going off on a, it's a crazy tangent <laughs> <was> a, though <laughs> a fantastic it. tangent that's that's something yeah I, I really care about and hey it goes uh down the route of of the appreciation of the arts and creativity and you know i mean berlin is named city of design by unesco mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool it's part of the creative cities network like there's a lot of creativity there mm-hmm. um and that kind of stuff would be appreciated there, right? It's, it's uh, dreaming for a practical purpose, not just dreaming to dream. I don't want to get through this without actually setting down some practical ground rules of what would, <laughs> how this would actually sure. work. Um, I tried not to think too much about this ahead of time because I kind of wanted it to be uh, in the moment kind of uh, inspiration stuff. But one thing I did think about was the uh, food and drinks, which is an important part of an amusement park. I remember like one of the craziest ones was... Um, Santa Claus, Indiana, which is like a, a, a holiday world in Santa Claus, Indiana, which is this kind of uh, independently owned theme park in, in the state of Indiana, not too far from where I grew up. They had this crazy thing where all the drinks were free in the park. So wow. they had these like soda kind of stations and like water and soda stations throughout the park. And you could just stop in there with your cup and just get like a refill because it costs nothing for those. Like the giant things of syrup for those, it's, it's nothing. Like, right? N- yeah, soda is so know. cheap. And so their whole thing was like, we're just gonna kind of admit that and just like make it accessible. And it made the whole experience just feel so much like fancier, you know. But like, but you got to have that stuff in the park. You got to make people happy. And so, um, so the two ways I was thinking this is so. A big, a big kind of stereotypical, but it's also very present wherever you go, is the um, kebab or currywurst stands here in Berlin. So um, currywurst uh, is basically a hot dog or a kind of a sausage that's sliced up into little, uh, you know, kind of uh, coin-shaped slices, generally. And then it's put in a little paper uh, basket with a bunch of ketchup and curry powder or curry ketchup. And... In the U.S., awesome. in, in the U.S., if you buy it, it's like it can be like you know fourteen dollars at like a German restaurant, and here it's like I don't know a euro, 
Um, so there's that, and then there's like the donor kebab or like that kind of stuff. So you have like, um, you know, like a like a either a wrap or like you know uh, just like you know the meat where they shave it off the big thing. And you can do it vegan, mm-hmm. vegan as well. But so there's that, and I was thinking, okay, so if you had food places, obviously, I guess you need to offer other options like uh, for other people. But like, you just design the food places like that. I love the kind of bringing that that culture of like kind of street food that comes from a um a historical tradition like a cultural culturally relevant foods but also affordable and you can get them from a little stall pretty much anywhere you don't have to go to like a big restaurant for it necessarily i love that guck wie weit wir schon geschafft haben doch ich glaub's nur der anfang I was thinking it might be cool to do uh, a River Spree like water ride, like it's our, our scaled down version, but that'd be a... That'd be fantastic. Right? It'd be like a slow ride. You could, you know, have some drinks or talk to some friends. Or it would be a, uh, it would be a miniature version of one of the tourist boats. Yeah, exactly. Where you can see some of the sights as you go. We did one with some friends where... Um, they, like there was an above ground like the top deck where it was like open air and you could watch it was actually a really nice tour of like the spree and like going deep into different parts that we had never been and seen it from the river and you can see all these cool clubs like outdoor clubs that come up right against the river that we didn't know were there and stuff like that um but then underneath there was a, a dining cart area so you could mm. order coffee or beer or some some food, you know, like a sausage and a roll and stuff like that. So you could almost have like a, a mini version of that where you could have a little dining area and then an above ground and you could just kind of lazily go through the spree and even have someone on the speaker system like telling you historical facts about Berlin yeah. as you're going And the, the things the things that we have, you know, miniature replica versions of, they yeah. can point out, you know, on your left you'll see... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be a fake, a, like a weird um, sort of like Synecdoche, New York like style, like... <laughs> You know, like historical tour of a fake city, you know, <laughs> but actually like real facts, sort of. But then occasionally right. they could be like, you know, the if you look over on your left, you'll see the so-and-so building built in 2000 and, you know, 21. Like just like the dates are all very modern. I don't know. You know, like right. some of it. It's a full 20 feet tall yeah. instead of yeah, the real yeah, one, exactly, which is like yeah. 80 feet tall. Uh-huh. Yeah, you could like you could have a lot of fun with that. But like no one would pay attention. But I just think conceptually the idea that that's like going on just makes me so happy you know even if even if it's not like an attraction for the facts Uh it's an attraction maybe even just for the food like it's just a restaurant where yeah yeah you can get you know turkish food or whatever Mm -hmm. you can have different kinds of food on that it's just a restaurant but it also is kind of like slowly (laughs) moving around um this our version of the the river spree that'd be so cool yeah you could even do a similar version without the restaurant but of the uh the sightseeing tourist buses mm. you know it's like a form of transportation around the park outside of the trains or the little trolleys or whatever they would be in the park um you know i just love the idea of because berlin is in normal times a very tourist kind of uh beacon of, of a place you know mm-hmm. it's it's a uh yeah you have a lot of a lot of people from all over are coming, and I, yeah, I think it'd be really funny to have at least one or two of the like the like a miniature tourist bus, where they have like the open air and it's like the sightseeing. It'd be a similar thing to the boat ride, but it would just 
you'd be just, you know, you'd literally be like, I'm going to get to this part of the park. But like someone would just be kind of casually reading off various facts along the way. I, I saw those like all over Europe, you know, a hop on, hop off uh-huh. yeah, exactly. tour where it's just, it's doing a loop and you can get off at every different point you want to. And then you get back on and they continue with the same facts you would have heard on the last yeah. lap about that leg of the, of the tour. But it's cool because you still get to learn something. It's, it's used as public transit. It's a little, you know, uh, gimmicky or touristy, but you're at a theme park. Like you, you don't have the highest standards, right? But that's what I like. I like that the, the idea that that there's like a tourist bus in a theme park. <laughs> right. So you, you know, you could have the option perhaps of taking the regular like like amusement park train, which would get you mm-hmm. generally where you're going as well. But like, if you wanted to go to like one of the fake monuments. You could hop on one of these ridiculous tour bu- like buses within a miniature version of the fake. You know, the, it's like this. All these layers <laughs> are just like it's like. So it's like, yeah, you kind of are a tourist, but then <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, um, that's really interesting. <laughs> and and how would you want to do those like miniature versions of stuff? Like, um, there's Museum Island uh-huh. in Berlin. Would you want to have those as buildings you can go into, or are they just scale replicas and you're like, that is a beautiful building th- from the outside? I think at least one of them would have to be, uh, you'd have to be able to go in inside, and it could yeah. maybe, if it was, <laughs> if it was like a smaller scale, which would have to be, um, the art inside maybe could all be a lot smaller. <laughs> That'd be you really know, fun. Like, wow. So you could still have like a, at least one or two gallery rooms, you know, not like the whole museum yeah. or the whole you know place, but at least one or two rooms of kind of some of the more famous art that's there. But it would just be smaller. Like, you know, the painting yeah, would you just could be do, like a third of yeah. the size, you know, and it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> or you could do one room that's full size and then like the next room is maybe a little smaller scale. And then like where in real life in actual Berlin, there would be four or five more rooms down that way. Maybe they get smaller and smaller to the point where the last room you can just like barely fit your hand into. <laughs> but it's like, it is there. It's just like the scale of the replica gets smaller and smaller each way. Oh, man, so that's, that's yeah. fun, yeah. <laughs> It'd be really weird, but <laughs> it might fit with the German expressionism a little bit of like, uh, or just, you know, playing with perspective in a funny way. Yeah. Uh, so that's something. Cause, and that's better than just doing like, you walk into a white room and there's no art on the wall, but there's VR headsets and then you can explore the VR version, which... That is a real thing. That's something I did during this COVID quarantine stuff was I went on uh, Google Earth and went through several museums because they have the insides. Oh, um, okay. Nice. Yeah. You know, where you can walk through them. It's a really yeah. weird experience. <laughs> um, and you can't read any of the plaques, which is really sad as a 99% uh, Invisible fan oh, and a yeah, yeah, museum yeah. fan. I always want to read the plaques on everything. Right. And you can't read anything because it's too low quality. But yeah. but it's a cool thing. Better than sitting in your room looking at the wall. Uh, in terms of other landmarks, I think that would be really cool. Uh, well, yeah. one, you, one you'd have to have is the Fernsehentum. It's like the, the, the TV tower. Again, my uh, history and pronunciation is probably going to be really way off. I apologize to anyone that's actually German or lives in Berlin. But the, the TV tower was something that I believe was, it's part, it was part of East Berlin. East Berlin is sort of a look what we can do sort of thing. So they built this huge television tower, which was actually like a a television broadcasting tower. And now there's a restaurant and some museum stuff on the bottom floor, but you can go up. I actually have never gone up in the three years I've been here, but but you can go up and it's like one of those like space needle style things where you can actually, you know, look out and it kind of maybe slowly rotates or something. 
And you'd have to have that in the miniature Berlin. You'd have to have a sort of like the mini Eiffel Tower. You know, you'd have to have one of those there. Yeah, it's an icon for sure. And then you could look out at the miniature Berlin. No, yeah, I like that. That's a good a good spot where you get a, a cool view. Um, there's also the uh, Victory Column has a, a sightseeing part at the top, which is another cool, like, iconic column <laughs> that could go someplace. Uh, oh, and, well, speaking of East Berlin and West Berlin, I think you'd have to have uh, elements of the Berlin Wall, even though I think you'd have to do it very sparingly because otherwise it'd be kind of tacky. Uh, but... Some some parts, like, there are parts of Berlin that even, most of them are gone now, but there are some parts still where there's, like, little sections of the wall that are still kind of visible or covered with graffiti and stuff like that. There's the East Side Gallery, of course, which is um, just uh, a long, like, a really long street kind of strip filled with uh, different, each each section of the wall is painted by different artists from all over the world. And the, the uh, kind of graffiti, you know, like, urban street art, scene in berlin is is world renowned and mm-hmm. having some representation for that somewhere like maybe even an area where you can do your own you know graffiti like a you know a safe space for that oh that would be awesome actually like, wouldn't that be cool with, with ventilation or whatever or like you provide masks for the people but that's a thing that not everyone gets to experience and it's kind of a, a cool thing and a very valid and important form of art so i think that'd be really cool instead yeah. of just representing the you know 400 art galleries that exist in Berlin, but some of the kind of outdoor, urban, you know, maybe illegal parts too. You could like pay, you know, I don't know, a little bit of money and then you'd have like five minutes to just like run around with a couple spray paint cans and you could you, should, you could grab some stencils that they'd have, like some pre-made stencils and you could like go up and like stencil some stuff and um, or maybe wheat paste even, you know, even though wheat pasting is in many ways, I think, considered like fake graffiti by like like actual like <laughs> people that do stencils and actual paint it's not as permanent so that's different but you can there's also something to be appreciated about short-term art in my opinion it's because <laughs> i i only know this because my one of my good friends is a, is a tour guide and he did a friend's uh berlin street art tour which was uh, fantastic um but he basically was going through and he was talking about how there's like a, a like a stencil of some famous kind of thing in, in in Berlin street art scene, and then there was someone else that kind of copied it with wheat with paste like wheat pasting, and how um, not only is it considered less talented or less um, intense to do the wheat pasting because you can sort of just make it ahead of time just kind of stick it on the wall, it's that um, the fine for doing that it's kind of ridiculous but the fine is like something. Uh, these num- are not the right numbers, but it's something like 20 euro or, you know, 50 euro for that versus like 800 for doing something with paint. Wow. And it, that's like per square, like quarter meter or something, you know? So it's like if you do the actual paint stencil, because it's like the risk of being messed up by the law is so much like higher than just like sticking some paper on the wall with some paste. And the amount of time it takes, too. Like, if you watch on um, Exit Through the Gift Shop or something, when they throw up these huge, like, Obey wheat paste, it takes them, it seems like, 10 minutes versus doing that all with, with spray paint would take forever and a lot more logistics. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but anyway, we, I don't think the, we would need to get that deep in the park, but I think that you <laughs> could, again, it could be a fun educational element for people that wanted to learn. You could, like, talk a little bit about some of the more famous uh, tags or more famous kind of iconography that you'd have. But yeah, I think it'd be awesome if there was like a warehouse or some sort of outdoor 
kind of structure that was just sort of like, you know, you have five minutes to just kind of like a shopping spree style where you just like run around some spray paint, just kind of not just like spray paint tag, but like actually, okay, you have some, some stencils, you have some other stuff. Like what can you do? What kind yeah. of cool thing can you get? And it could be like a, you know, a short little art class. Like it, it doesn't have to be crass and like just cuss words and stuff. It can be something meaningful and something that takes skill. Like I, I think that's really cool. Yeah. I love that. I love anything where you can kind of get hands on and get a little, you know, children's museum, which by the way, I don't like that name because adults should be able to get engaged with, with science and history as well. Oh, man. I but mean, back anyway. to like when we were talking about parks is like, there should be playgrounds for adults and there should be like kids science museums for adults too. Like, yeah, it's a shame that, um, that, that fun areas to play like that with like big slides and stuff like that for like physical activity it's just assumed that adults don't need that or won't enjoy it or something like And the same for science museums. Like I love going to science museums, except that I feel weird because it's <laughs> right? all little kids and their families. And I'm like trying to almost like push the little kids out of the way to get to like <laughs> see the front of an exhibit. Cause I'm so excited about it. We are simpatico in that way. I, I feel like <laughs> super hardcore fans of this podcast will remember me talking about wishing the slides the tubes were bigger at like discovery zone or chuck e cheese or whatever but that was like episode one forever ago but like i agree completely there's such a social like stigma i guess of that's a kid's thing that's not for you and uh the main way that expresses itself a lot of times even if there's not kids everywhere is the crazy colors like everything is like coded as little kid color schemes and it's like i should be allowed to like these colors too i don't know we'll see where we're going in the future you know the next uh roaring 20s type of of decade maybe we'll be full of of really really well-designed mini golf courses really cool skate parks and then also you know children's museums that are adult friendly and playgrounds that are adult friendly that would be amazing what what a world that would be As much as I think you could fill the park with just Berlin things that would be a lot of fun, you'd need some sort of ride, some sort of yeah. roller coaster or, you know, whatever, some stuff like that. And I felt like every every line for those should be treated like a line for like Berghain or like for like a club in Berlin because it's kind <laughs> of notorious for um, being, there's all these clubs that are notorious for being hard to get in you know, especially for tourists, but people that live here. And there's like, there's so many websites. If you like, if you like would type into Google, like how to get into Berghain or something like that, it's like, you know, there's all these like how to is about the kind of clothes to wear and stuff like that. So you walk by and you'll see these lines like stretching like down the block. And it's like, you know, you can just, even me, I'm not, I am not a well uh learned person when it comes to club culture in many ways but like even i can like quickly assess who, <laughs> who's getting who, in <laughs> who who just bought like a choker and like some black clothes because like they wanted to you know like get in and you know like the clubs here are notor- <laughs> like they're notorious for like you know i had a buddy who was like in line and like behind him or whatever was um like kit harrington or whatever from game of thrones 
whatever hmm. what's his name um the guy that plays uh you know uh john snow and like he was with some other cast members and some buddies and like both my friend and they they all got rejected you know like <laughs> it's like it doesn't matter if you were like one of the, like this is during game of thrones like one of the biggest like celebrities <laughs> you know tv celebrities ever in the world and like just like no nah. <laughs> and that's amazing so, wow. so i just i just thought that like every... so you want to kick people out of the ride like don't no. let them in <laughs> i mean that would be like that would be hilarious but i think that would be a little bit too aggressive in terms of like the uh the visitor experience i think there should be a club too and the club could absolutely function like that or anything when you get to fire code standards or or the new you know covid standards for capacity it's like then you just have to stand there and wait or they'll just say no and kick you out maybe you can uh go buy a, a choker at the gift shop and get back in line and see if they let you in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, there's a very famous and, you know, diverse nightlife there and, and kind of counterculture scene. Um, that'd be really cool to represent. I know theme park is a, usually a lot more squeaky clean and like family friendly and uh, kind of gross and tacky, but it might be cool to do our version of that. You know, I don't know exactly what it would manifest as, but some kind of club would be really cool yeah i mean some sort of i mean as yeah is as potentially tacky as it could be i think something you'd want to have something where it's like a, a club bar and dance floor with like proper djs playing like actual not like american electronic music or dance music but like proper like european techno that'd you be know, amazing like a prop like a, with like proper lights and just like you know, like a real dance floor and you could just buy like kind of traditional German club drinks, you know, just like simple, you know, simple stuff, you know, and you could just, uh, yeah, go and dance for like 20 minutes, you know, and just, you know, just go crazy. And then you could <laughs> pop back out into the sun and be like, cause that, that's also what happens a lot too. If you go to a club here is like, you're having a lot of good time. Cause a lot of clubs will either make you put a sticker over your, the cameras on your phone when you go in or they, or they will make you check your phone because they wow. don't, because they don't want, they don't want people taking any photos in general, because also Germany is very privacy conscious. Um, so you can't really just take photos of like all the shaming videos for instance that go on in the U S like, you know, someone in like a, a Walmart being like, I don't want to wear my mask. And it's like, Oh, you're on film. You know, like you couldn't do that here because showing other people like putting their face and stuff in public, you could be, sued to oblivion or like uh charged with like legal issues because uh you're just not like that's not how privacy works here and so a lot of times in clubs for for that reason and also just for because they want people to feel relaxed and sometimes you have to check your phone and all this stuff and you're there but you don't realize how late it is and you walk out and it's just sunny again because <laughs> the clubs are open all night like on weekends right isn't that a pretty normal thing yeah like well there's some clubs like Bergheim, I, I which i have not been to so i'm not talking from a, a purely uh experiential standpoint but they're open sometimes from like a thursday or friday until monday so wow. there are there are people that can <laughs> that can somehow continue just throughout the entire weekend you know wow. so they'll just keep going and they'll, you know, they'll leave <laughs> sometime in the morning or the afternoon of monday and that's incredible. Yeah. So I think that'd be great to have some sort of where you could go into a club. You could like a dark club with like proper European techno. You could have like a, a long drink, like a little cocktail, or, you know, like, you know, soda and vodka or whatever, or a beer and just like party for 
cra- like crazy for like 10 minutes or 20 minutes and then just pop back out into the sun, you know? <laughs> Be like, let's go get a curry first. I love you know? that. That's awesome. And there are other musical options too. Like maybe we could have a theater or like an opera house because there's, oh, some stats from, from Wikipedia here. There are 44 theaters and stages in Berlin, three opera houses, and seven symphonic orchestras. Like that is crazy. That's so much... Uh, music and so much class, you know, and so much art. (laughs) So having one, maybe just one amalgamation of that Mm -hmm. or representation of that would be cool to be able to put on stage productions and like, you know, performances or even just show movies or something, you know, having a nice theater would be really cool. Berlin is also very known for uh, Freilift Kinos, like open air cinemas. They're actually coming back now. So they are happening again. I think the obviously the seating is a bit more um, spread out, but uh, they're great. It's like, you know, you can see classic German films or modern, you know, Hollywood films and they just project them on a screen. And, you know, you sit in these lawn chairs and if it's colder, if it's closer to winter, they give you like some nice heavy like army blankets to, to wow. chill with. And then, yeah, and then you can just buy beer from like there's usually an outdoor bar. And you can just buy beer and you can sit there and you can just watch these old movies. And it's like a fant- like we did it when we first visited, like the first for the first or second time we, we visited Ber- uh, Berlin. We went to one of these and it was it was just this amazing experience to be like, oh, man, we are properly in Europe now. Like This feels so different just in vibe. Like there are outdoor cinemas all over the world, but somehow the ones here have a certain vibe to them. Yeah. I mean, at night, too, if. If you quit, you know, stop the rides running at night, then you can just have like the club going, there's hotels and then like have outdoor cinema and stuff because all the mm-hmm. space where people are normally lining up um, or or the area, you know, near that the airport could just be outdoor cinema during the evening when it's dark out. Because I love I love American like drive in culture personally. And that's a, the way I've been seeing movies during covid is going to the drive in. But imagine that with no cars, like where you're actually engaging with other humans what a concept. Like, I love that. Yeah. So, I mean, it, what, it, what it feels like to me is it's shaping up to be like, this is like a, an amusement park, maybe sort of not on like Disney where like you, you come for the weekend, you know, you don't, you don't just come for like during the day. Yeah. It's like you're coming to, you want to at least like, you want to experience the night part of it. You want to experience like the day part of it. You know, like it's like almost like being an actual tourist in the fake right? little, little Berlin, you know? And I have a proposal for you. Maybe where the park is open nonstop from like Thursday night till Monday morning, and then just weekdays for like field trips during the week. So yeah, that's perfect. Clean up the bars and everything. <laughs> just like the museum, the weird messed up like mini museums are open <laughs> on the weekday. <laughs> like all the historical stuff. No, I, I love stuff. that. And you could, you know, switch some things around. And honestly, I think we should have some more attractions that are more historical or more like educational, but. There's got to be something that's like fun though, like proper, like that's the thing I was trying to think. Of. I was like, I mean, you could just do a roller coaster and give it a fun name, but like, what would be a proper a proper amusement ride for? I, a I had city? one that's kind of a gimmick. This uh, doesn't have much to do with like history necessarily, but there was a uh, really extensive pneumatic postal network, like those underground tubes that they used to have at banks. Um, which in 1940 was 400 kilometers long. Like they had this very extensive network of those pneumatic tubes um, starting in 1865. I think it'd be really fun to have like a really old timey uh, roller coaster where you get in like a little tube and it's not actually pneumatic. Like we don't want to actually like suck the air out of the breathing compartment, but it'd be cool to have a roller coaster <laughs> that's themed like you're a piece of mail and you get in this little ornate, you know, maybe like 
has like bra- brass decorations on it and a little tube and you get like shot underground and you're like be great. flipping yeah. around and stuff. That was the only like thrill one I could think of. Or it could be like uh like the rides where they, you know, you're in the it's like the tower rides where it shoots you up into the air, but it'd be like a pneumatic tube and then it'd like actually go up like really high and then it would curve and you'd kind of flip upside down. It would go like around a bit like a turn and then you'd go like down, you know, like it would shoot you up really fast and then you'd go flip upside down, go down another tube, and then like eventually land somewhere else. That could even be a, a third way of getting around the theme park to different places. <laughs> you can go by pneumatic tube, like some kind of, you know, steampunk uh, sci-fi world. You could even do the uh, TV tower. It could be a drop tower. You know, there's, there's that little like bulb at the top. Oh, yeah. On the way back or something. <laughs> it drops you down to planet Earth <laughs> and it slowly rises back up with new people in it. Oh, man. That would be, yeah, it'd be funny. It's like, it's like, so it just rises up normally to go uh-huh. up there, but then once you're done, you have to drop down. <laughs> right. And maybe when you're at the top, you have like a nice dining experience. Like you're up there for like an hour <laughs> and then it does a drop zone back down. Oh man, you would have to hire someone just specifically to clean the, the landing Oh, the janitors area. would be busy. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Actually, above the building, like the second floor of the building where the mini light, uh, the black light mini golf is, there there was a, there's like a jazz club, and they had like, you know, like multiple musicians that someone play on every song, and like you know multiple drummers and like upright bass, and it was like this crowded, like packed, like it was like a hipster bar, you know, wow. it was like a Berlin hipster bar of all young people, but like proper, like jazz, like live jazz, like. Just really fun. And, but it was in this, like, you know, you, you would just never, you would never think, like, oh, this is what, like, the young people are going to be doing on this Tuesday night and, you know, this neighborhood. Right. You wouldn't expect it to be jazz either. You'd think yeah. it'd be but EDM it's like, or indie. Yeah. Rock or but it's just like, but it was just like, it was amazing. It was so cool. And um, I think for the nighttime part of the park, yeah, you would definitely have to have a bunch of fun, like, the bar sections of, the park at night would have to be just because what I love about Berlin is that a lot of the bars have to a be cheap and they have to be uh, at least uh, fun, if not um, legitimately interesting. So you'll have some bars that have like the shtick of um, furniture and everything being like, like the bar is upside down, like all these tables and chairs are on the ceiling and there's obviously chairs and tables that you can properly use, but if you look up at like it almost you're like wait a second like everything's upside down you know Whoa. there's even like an upside down TV you know like stuff like that like a old style TV um, and or or there's like one that's like a tree a, a tree bar where they have plants wow. plants and everything kind of growing on the walls or you know fake plants but then they have a bunch on the ceiling and then above that there's like a mirror that kind of uh, extends the effect so it feels like you're kind of under this canopy and otherwise it's like a a standard dive bar, you know, just random, you know, like neighborhood dive bar, but it has this really funky vibe to it, you know, so you get, you know, two and a half euro, like liter, uh, you know, half liter beers, you know, it's like super cheap and it's like funky and, or there's a, there's a Twin Peaks bar 
And what? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's called the Black uh, Black Lodge, I believe, and it's it's like the front just has uh, normal. They have a lot of good beers and stuff, but then there's like a a middle room that's painted like the Red Lodge with the wow. the red curtains and the black and white striped floors. Oh my god! And then there's a back room that's all like um, uh, like wood paneling, and uh, it's like the smoker room. And then they project uh, Twin Peaks just like cons- constantly the entire time the bar is open, like on the wall. And that's, that's like wild. Yeah, it's like a fantastic bar. I love all those themed bars. Like, how engaging is that? That's so much better than just every bar looking the same. Yeah, like every like Irish bar that has the same like uh, marquee. <laughs> you're like, what? Like, oh man, I, I wish I had stock in the company that created the like the, the lettering for the outside of like Irish bars in like major American cities, like. You can see it from a mile away. You're like, ah, that's like clearly a generic Irish bar over there. Like, it's, you know, but oh, I forget what the joke was. We were with some some uh, British friends in England, and they were like, "Oh, you have to go to this." They like named the bar like uh, something like the Red Lion or something like that. I forget what it was, but I was like, "Okay, what is that?" And then we looked it up and we went there. And then when we got there, I was like, "So have you guys been here before?" And they're like, "Oh no, this is just like a generic name. Like every single bar that's like a pub style like this has the same name." And so we just like. It was almost a joke to say, oh, you have to go to this place <laughs> because they're all the same. And then they found one and we went. Anyway, I, I love the idea of doing that where where there's you know such diversity and different like like that's really strange. Like yeah. Twin Peaks is not exactly a huge cultural thing, at least not. No, in America it, there, there's no reason why it should exist. But it's an amazing but bar. It's so it gets very popular. It does. <laughs> it's like it's a super packed bar as well on a lot of nights. It's like. It's amazing. Like, I don't know why it exists, but I'm, and and it's one of those, like, it's not a speakeasy, but it's like, when you first go there, the outside is still the, the facade of whatever old business or, or previous bar was there. So you have to go through the, like, no, it's just, it's, it, you literally just have to open the door. But if you're trying to find it, you're walking down the street and you're like, and there's only like a small sort of window that's really dark. It's like you can't really see into the bar. It looks like an almost like an abandoned facade. Like it looks like an old business that's closed. And you're like, I don't know. It says we're here. You know, you're on Google Maps and you're wow. like, it says that this is the place, but this is not the name of the bar, you know. <laughs> but then you just open the door and suddenly it's like, oh, oh all right. Like, <laughs> you know, but it's that's amazing. It's great. It's a, but so if you what can, a concept. If you were so, if you if the idea is that we're having, um, sort of a day and night sort of kind of vibe going on, you know? Yeah, the, I think that'd be awesome. Then the night you like, you could have so many like you could have little art galleries. You could have like art like like a art gallery or or, or art show kind of like art opening uh, events. You know, you're like walking down the, like through the streets, like the Hagerstrommarkt area, which is kind of near the the TV tower. Like you could have like there's a lot of like um, art museums or art galleries around there you could have like just con- constant like art receptions you walk in get a little cheese or um they don't really do that here unfortunately but you could walk in you could you know have a drink and stuff like that and look at some art um and then yeah you could go to all these different bars i think so i think the main thing is like you'd really want to try so there's um kreuzberg and neukon are sort of like the i don't know if you're familiar or if any of the listeners are too familiar with um brooklyn but there's like Williamsburg and Bushwick are sort of like the hip uh, areas in a, in a lot of ways. And so it's sort of like those areas for Berlin. So cool. it's like it's like where a lot of the the music venues and 
uh, art stuff and coffee shops and, and kind of hip areas and stuff are. And so like, I don't know, yeah, some way of, of representing just this, this full spectrum of, of kind of weird dive bars and weird experiences and stuff. And then some jazz stuff. and I think, yeah, do adding music, either day, daytime and nighttime in restaurants or bars, having, you know, kind of representations of like Jazz Fest Berlin, I guess is a big deal. And there's Berlin Festival, which is like indie rock and electronic music and synth pop. Like this kind of German music that's popular, represent that throughout. And almost this theme park, instead of being about roller coasters, is more like a cultural, like, ambassador to whatever country this is set in i think what would be important to me even though again like no one that lives in berlin would probably respect anything about this idea but (laughs) i think that like um when you'd have the bars right and they're playing music i mean obviously the bars here are playing you know they might be play like play indie like american indie rock or whatever you know it's like it's not like it's just like hardcore german techno everywhere you know, a lot of it is like other Western uh, music and stuff like that are just a lot of eclectic mixes. But I do really think that like essentially you would want to do insane amount of research or just like hire, you know, uh, DJs and stuff from Europe and from, you know, Germany and have them like either curate or even perform. Like you could have proper like Berlin or, or, or European DJs perform at certain, you know, events and certain nights and have like actual like real techno festivals or like events or dances, like dance parties and stuff like that, like club experiences in whatever weird mini world that we, you know, we've created. So like um, just the idea that like the music and the art and stuff like that wouldn't, it wouldn't be like the idea of jazz music or the idea of like an art show would be like as much as possible. Like this is what it would be like if you were actually traveling through Europe or traveling through Berlin, you know, just like the food would, you know, try to mimic as much as possible that experience as well. You know, I think I just, that just sounds like really fun to me. Like, And I think it's really different than the most people, what they think of for a theme park or an amusement park, but having like a new, almost like a pop-up cultural district that represents yeah, another part yeah. of the world. It's like having a, it's almost like, being able to teleport somewhere else for the evening or for the weekend, I think that'd be so cool and and classy and could be seen as parts of part of the arts community instead of just you know gross sweaty long lines and like sunburns. Like you could see it as as a more elevated form of art. And almost uh, you know, especially right now, if it was in the U.S., uh, you cannot travel uh, unfortunately to Europe and right. You know, because I, I would love to visit my parents and, and or vice versa, and that's not uh, feasible right now. So, yeah, if you couldn't actually go to Europe, you could have a sort of a mini holiday. Just try to make it as authentic as possible while still being chill, <laughs> you know? Right. I like that in, in representing representing the German food and German heritage, but also... Germany, at least currently, has, you know, 30% of the population is has an immigrant background. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people from Turkey and Poland and Syria and other places live there. So being able to represent those cultures a little bit, too, as, you know, through a German lens, like like it would be like to be in Berlin at the moment. Um, and even doing kind of cultural events like the Carnival of Cultures, which is a multi-ethnic street parade uh, every Pentecost weekend in Berlin. It sounds like a really cool thing and doing that every weekend would be really enjoyable, like as a parade and as a, a cultural event representing 
uh, not only Germany, but, but the diversity of Germany. I think that'd be really cool. I think it sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I would so go to a place like this, like this, all the time. This sounds ridiculous because, like, I live in Berlin, but like, <laughs> the, but I think because of like the mini art gallery or like mini museums and all these like weird little aspects of it and like the weird meta tour boats and buses, this sounds like something that I would actually like want to go visit. You know, like it just sounds like a. I would I would want it to be a place where like you could legitimately just go there and like let's say that you're there for a weekend you could just spend an entire afternoon just drinking beer in like the fake Tempelhof or like in one of the fake parks just sitting in the park drinking a beer and just hanging out with your friends and just or whatever just like that should be part of it if you want you know almost like a west right. world sort of thing where it's just like, i see it as yeah west world kind of thing but a lot safer and <laughs> it's, it's like a lot smaller version of of berlin where you know if, if your parents are getting tired of walking across the you know entire real tempelhof then our scaled down version that's you know one eighth the size <laughs> is much more manageable and then yeah. you still have energy to walk across town to to go to Museum Island, or yeah, or you could hop on one of the uh, the weird little tourist buses and <laughs> right. And also, it'd be cool. It'd be relieving, at least for an American, I think, to to be in a place that's very walkable and doesn't have cars yeah. everywhere, but still feels like a city, because yeah. that's such an alien experience here. Like that was such a cool thing about traveling through Europe was there's so many really enjoyable walkable areas and towns, like entire towns where. There's like one car and it's the garbage slash mail truck that picks up everyone's garbage and mail and then goes like there's so many cool little experiences I, I, we had like that in Europe that are so different than than everything here where even in a cool, you know, popular hip neighborhood, which is like near where I live, there's still cars lining both sides of the road everywhere. And it's just a grid yeah. of roads, you know, with with blocks of interesting stuff, but it's not very walkable. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think I think that's one of the great things about I mean every park needs of a certain size needs some sort of transportation, but I think you know you could even have if you had the uh, the budget for it, I guess you could even have a you know a very scaled down miniature subway system, you know, yeah. it's like a like a little mini tube system, you know, a little like Uban uh, trains just kind of going around, and again, you know, just very simple, but like there's a lot of opportunities to make the park feel, um, to try to bring that experience to an audience that doesn't normally get to experience. So yeah, like living in, like really make it feel like a city. Not just like, right. here's a big empty area, you can get some cotton candy here, you can get this, but actually like there are streets there, are, you know, like it's like, it feels like you're walking through a neighborhood or like a scaled down r version of, of all these different neighborhoods. And I think... I don't know. Again, it just it sounds it sounds like a lot of fun. I really love that. I think that's super cool. And we kind of vaguely touched on on the bad parts of like the the Nazi regime and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if maybe we should do an attraction, not the most attractive attraction, but like a, a place you can go to be able to see what Berlin would have been like back then. So maybe that could be either a film or like a a VR type of thing of of exploring around. Just because, you know, obviously it's not the most exciting thing. Like, I think it'd be disrespectful to do um, a theme park, like a roller coaster going through the rise and fall of Nazis or something. But having something to represent that, to be able to show uh, the horrors and the, the insanity of everything that happened then, 
somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which it feels so weird, right? It feels disjointed from the rest of this theme park, which is so like culturally diverse and engaging and so creative and so artistic that there's this bizarre, you know, piece on the timeline that's relatively recent um, that needs to be represented and needs to be kind of at the something that at least everyone is aware of when they go here, I think. I think that's one of the, the trickier the trickier things to try to figure out in this, but I think that it is important to have some sort of remembrance or understanding of that. I like I don't think it would be in good taste to put the uh, memorial to um, you know like the like basically like Holocaust victims like in this amusement park city. Right, like a scaled version of the memorial to the murdered Jews of Europe. Like uh, because already people treat that like it's an amusement where they like try to run through it and hop around on the columns. Right, and it's, um, it's a it's a beautiful work of art, but yeah, if you read on the Wikipedia page, it's like people are really mad because people will just like hang out there and like have picnics on it and like go on dates there and stuff. And yeah. Pokemon go has like some, some really good stuff in that area. So oh, like, really? oh yeah, I, so there's, that's already like, it's hard yeah. enough to make a memorial always yeah. be a solemn place and doing it within a theme park of, you know, screaming kids running around is yeah. going to make it that much more difficult, but trying to do something for that, whether it's a secluded area of the park where you can go to uh, learn about that stuff um, might be something, or maybe it's even a, a separate museum that has its own separate entrance from the theme park where it's like its own yeah. thing. In other words, part of the budget towards building this fun, enjoyable, um, you know, almost utopian vision of Berlin, some of that money could also go to a place next to it that is that is much more of a, a serious and more... Remembering the, da- uh, the dangers of fascism. <laughs> right. Yeah, and all the people who, not only just the Jews, but, you know, homosexuals and people like the Romani people who just got killed in huge numbers. It's just yeah. absolute horrors of of uh, the, you know, na- Nazis. I think it'd be really interesting to do what we can to give that some representation connected to this somehow, as, as yeah. tastefully as humanly possible. Yeah, I think that's, the uh, that, I mean, that that is a... Uh... Yeah, I think it almost feels like that's a completely new episode, you know? Like, I feel like... <laughs> right, it could be its own thing for sure. And I'm just, I'm curious because I've never been to Berlin. Is that a, a thing that's at the forefront? Like, do people reference that very often? Do you see um, I th- much stuff just walking around that's related um, to the Holocaust? So I forget the official actually name of them. There's like Steppen something. They're, they're, they're these um, really beautiful and very somber plaques. Uh, little golden plaques that are in front of a lot of buildings. So you'll see them, they're kind of, they replaced the normal bricks and, and stones that are in a lot of the sidewalks. And uh, if you stop and look down, it'll, they'll have the names of people that were in the buildings that were uh, taken to concentration camps. It'll have their name, their date of birth, their date of death, and um, if it's known like where they died, which camp they died in or something like that. And once you realize that those exist, you see them everywhere. Wow. And um, it's really beautiful. It's really depressing. It's it's very kind of, uh, yeah, it's a very somber experience, especially when you notice them. But um, it, it's definitely a part. But I think, you know, a lot of people, a lot of younger people are, you know, trying to be aware of that and not repeat it. But it's not a... You know, it's not a focus of conversation on a night out. You know, it's 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 very yeah. much like a, it's in the background. It's 
Um, I think in many ways, probably people growing up here have heard and learned a lot more about it than even Americans have, you know, and right. everything. And I think that's sort of uh, something that uh, hopefully means that a lot of people have kind of, you know, they understand where that can go. I mean, it's, it, it, we don't have to get in politics, but it, it's, yeah, Germany is, is, I think, in many ways, very um, upfront about its past. And I think that's something that's very impressive to me and very kind of, uh, I respect that a lot. You know, it's like, there's a lot of, it, growing up as an American, there's a lot of stuff that you learn only much later in life. You're like, wait, we did this? Wait, we're, we did this last year? You know, like, <laughs> right? It's it's um, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that's very kind of uh, uh, f- softened in the, the textbooks and in a lot of uh, education, and I think that didn't happen as much here for a while, and I think that's uh, that's good. So I don't know, that was really <laughs> your question, but well, no, that that's a, a good answer, and that's kind of what I assumed. I know that the it seems like from an American perspective, like Germany is always wants to like. Uh, be aware of of you know what happened in the past and make sure that doesn't happen in the future and kind of i think i said it offhand earlier on like one way we can um almost kind of counterbalance this or um is just basically you know like the best revenge is living well Mm. kind of thing like highlighting those kinds of people who were were um persecuted by the nazis highlighting those kinds of cultures and those kinds of people is one way we can do that and and almost you know kind of focus on the fact that so many people died but also the so many people were able to survive and like the cultures were able to yeah. survive and the facts still exist and there's one thing i found on wikipedia i don't remember exactly where i think it's part of the memorial to the murdered jews of europe when they were trying to raise funds to build this memorial they put a like big magazine ad that said um the holocaust never happened in like huge letters or something like that and then in small print, it's like, it's crazy that people actually believe this. Imagine how many more will believe this in 20 years if we don't have memorials to it. And I was like, man, that's edgy. Um, I, I can't, like, I don't know, it makes my heart, like, pound just thinking of, like, buying a magazine ad that just says the Holocaust never happened. Like, saying the opposite of what you believe in. Yeah, I like to imagine, like, the <laughs> if there was an advertising firm involved. They're like, no, 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 just trust us. It's going to work. And the museum, you know, the museum's <laughs> like, I don't know. You know. It's like, no, no, no. Don't worry. Don't worry. People right. will understand. They'll get it. And you're counting on the fact that people won't just read the big words, but they'll yeah, read the little words yeah. at the bottom saying, we need your money mm-hmm. to build this memorial so people stop believing this stupid yeah. thing we just said. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that that is really interesting. And that's something that we could do almost like something inspired by that of just pointing out the fact that it did happen. And isn't it crazy that this city was able to to thrive and grow out of that and like overcome that and become what it is today? There's a lot of elements just in general of, of Berlin as a, as a culture and as a city that, uh, you know, are really fun to explore. And, you know, in an ideal situation, you know, we could have this park that would have all these elements, 
you know, the history and the food and the drink and the, the parks. And I don't know, I don't know. You'd have to, you know, talk to the financial people of the uh, the company about how this would work. But in my mind, the, it would be amazing if, like, the the curryverse, like street food and the beers, were still as cheap as you could make them. And then, like, but then you could actually buy like tourist shirts, like I Heart Berlin shirts, and those would be like normal amusement park, um, you know, or like I Heart Berlin Park shirts, you know, like that would be like tourist like Berlin tourist nonsense, but it would be like about the park Berlin, you know, like, yeah, yeah. It just says park after Berlin on every little tchotchke. Yeah. 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 So it's like, but so those would all be the same, like normal nonsense price and like the fancier restaurants, like maybe like the fancier term or something like that. They would all be like normal amusement park prices. So when you're there for the weekend, you'll still generally spend the right amount of money to make it worthwhile for the park. But like, if you're just grabbing a beer to walk mm-hmm. around or go sit in the park, it should still be as cheap as possible. You know, like you don't, you don't want to like go and buy like, that's a, awesome. you know, a, a beer to take with you to the park and it's like five, five bucks or whatever, you know, like that would be garbage. That would, that would be so, so yeah. against oh, the whole sure. idea of what Berlin is. I like that. I like being able to have an option for people of different budgets as well, you know, and maybe I like when theme parks do this, where if you get there after like 5 PM, right, right, it's right, like right. half price, you know, like, if you're not going to be there for the whole day and riding all the attractions, then we're not going to charge you as much money. So yeah, I like that. Then, then the people who live locally could go here more often. And um, yeah. yeah, I think that's, that's really cool. You wouldn't just be attracting the people who yeah, are already yeah. visiting art galleries all the time. You know, you might be someone's first art gallery. You might be someone's first time hearing jazz music live. Like that kind of stuff would be really cool. Yeah, it's possible. Imagine the first time that you hear jazz music properly is in like a fake city inside of an amusement park. It seems like such a surreal place, but I would love to go there. wish there was a feasible way to spend four more hours discussing the ins and outs of, of <laughs> all, all of this because uh yeah i mean it's definitely shaped up to be a much more like i think when i originally thought about this idea you know i was trying to imagine more of a uh you know traditional like traditional Roller park yeah yeah like oh you know you mm-hmm. could have like you know the finansamt which is like the you know they're like the center for and taxes and finances and all that fun stuff and very bureaucratic and they'll send you these very complicated forms that um, even <laughs> even our German friends can't fully understand exactly the meaning of you know I think you know they could be like the the ticket office you know or you know, like or so, you know something <laughs> like that cute. and it's like um, but it's definitely transformed into a much more um, surreal meta kind of like living theater than I had originally thought. And I think that's kind of perfect. Yeah, I think that's that's really cool. But I also like the idea of theming these kind of mundane areas. Like if you're going to have some administrative offices, it could be in a building that's like a model of the Reichstag. Like I think it'd be really cool to, to do that. I mean, it's kind of dorky. Like it's kind of, but it's a little extra maybe, but it's also fun. If you recognize what that building is, you're like, oh, that's probably like 
well yeah you could like try to make some inferences to what would be in that area what would be going on in there i mean yeah it'd be like it's the same thing as trying to make um a park based on new york city like you could you can map out the basic kind of requirements or sort of ideas but then if you sit there for a moment you're like oh well okay well what about this you know what about that it's like yeah i think you could keep going i mean i hope that uh I hope that that any you know the listeners will in their mind you know <laughs> I hope they'll just keep keep it going. Yeah, hopefully they yeah had some ideas of their own and they can share them with us on social media. Oh, that'd even. be that'd awesome! Be yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, our social media for the show is at Amusement Sparks. But what if they're interested in your show and learning more about weekly? Yeah, so uh, yeah, you can find out the you know listen to some brand new records every week. Uh, weeklyep.com or. Uh, I think it's at Weekly EP on on Instagram. I post a lot of uh, photos from the guests about like the music, the instruments they use, and the recording gear they use, and stuff like that, which is always a lot of fun. I bought a couple synths now from various guests we've had because I got so into <laughs> learning about how it was made. So, <laughs> um, but uh, that's great. But yeah. So yeah, WeeklyEP.com basically, or any. I mean, just like this show, any any place that podcasts <laughs> exist. Hopefully, it's on there as well, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, you're everywhere I've looked for you. Okay, well, that's good. So that's That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Um, And I was just looking this up earlier. I'm really intrigued by the Black Lives Matter movement and how it's so spread across the planet. And I'm curious about, like, what each flavor, how it's different in different areas. And I'm just going to blacklivesmatterberlin.de it's so cool. The graphics that they have are so like well done and seeing pictures of their, their protests or I guess they're called demos there sometimes. Um, and reading some of the articles, which, you know, my phone is translated into English. It's just, to me, it's so, so empowering and so interesting too, that so many, so much of the iconography and specific names that you see in the U S are also being used at least in Germany and other sites around the world. It's so cool that it's such a, a worldwide movement. Of course, cool here meaning uh, the human spirit and the fact that people aren't okay with the way things are. Not cool like, oh, wow, this is fun. But like, it's it's amazing to see people like brothers in arms across nations is, is really powerful to me at least. Um, but yeah, how has it impacted your life? Have you seen much much protesting and stuff like that in Berlin? There, there definitely, I mean, there's protests all the time in Berlin. I mean, there was a we've see, I've seen a, like a protest for legalizing weed um, that was being escorted on both sides by police officers while people were on floats smoking a bunch of weed and playing music and saying legalize weed. But there are massive like you know like intense like squatter protests that come through particularly my street a lot. Um, there's Berlin in Germany in general, but Berlin is like a fantastic city for protesting. It's, it's kind of almost like a human right here is to like to be able to protest and to register your protest. And um, yeah, there's been some really big ones about Black Lives Matter. In general, it doesn't really affect normal everyday life, but there have been some really big protests. Germany and even Berlin has the, you know issues with discrimination in terms of policing, at least according to some people. And um, it's not, I don't think, anywhere near as the scale as it is in, in the U.S., unfortunately. I mean, fortunately for Germany, but, you know, it's um, it's a little bit of a different institution, but there's, there's still, you know, especially with a lot of immigrants and things like that, I think there's, 
there's still a lot of issues and there's a lot of discrepancies between the way certain groups are treated and others are. And I think at the same time that the protests here for Black Lives Matter had been um, a solidarity protest with the U.S. And, and other people dealing with this issue, it's also a chance to kind of raise awareness and use that as a platform to discuss those issues here. So I think I think ultimately it's really good. I think, you know, of course, during, during the time of uh, COVID, it's it, it's it's a very um, it's a tenuous kind of tightrope, you know, of balancing like the the ways to properly protest in order to protect people, you know, and um, I think it's it's really nuanced. It's, it's a very complicated thing, but um, in general, people are very safe here as well, you know, as they are in a lot of places in the U.S. A lot of masks, a lot of distancing, um, and I think it's great. I think it's really cool to see these um, sort of kind of this unifying voice and this unifying kind of support between different countries and different people. So I agree. That's really cool. And just, you know, scrolling through a few articles on there, like there's just kind of generally like what's it like protesting during COVID times? There's how can you support this as a non-black person and then, or as a white person, I guess is the way the article phrases it. And then also how can you support U.S. protests from Germany? I thought that was just really interesting. But I guess, you know, it makes sense if the German government and police force is kind of aware of not being nazi-ish you know if they're thinking like oh i don't want this to look wrong like i want to make sure i'm on the right side of history here whereas it seems like that's not a thing at the forefront of a lot of law enforcement and government people's minds in the u.s is like uh nazi schmazi is like you know that was forever ago um we can be as fascist as we want like it, it just seems like there needs to be like a, a reckoning almost of like people realizing how big of a deal fascism is and how bad things can go and like we need to be able to learn from from Germany's example, I think I didn't go into this episode, like expecting to talk about, you know, Black Lives Matter and like the comparison between Germany in, you know, 1930s and 40s versus US now. But I'm seeing some comparisons now where it's like, uh, seeing what what Berlin has blossomed into, um, out of the remnants of such tragedy, and, you know, fascism and stuff, and then that leading to such a free, open, beautiful, vibrant society. It's like, I could see, you know, the United States going that way. Um, I think we can make it through this. I don't know how extreme it's going to get. Hopefully not as extreme as, you know, Germany got, but uh, we'll see, I guess. I mean, America seems to be embracing fascism while, while claiming that it's going after fascist, which is sort of the quintessential fascist move. Yeah, good point. Yeah, not to get in the weeds about it, but I just, I... I am. I would love if parts of America ended up kind of coming through it with sort of a mentality of what Germany has done and what is happening in Berlin, because people in the U.S. and you know, growing up as an American as well, like you know, and I'm st- still am American. Like, you know, America think calls itself the land of the free, like the freest country in the world. But like, I don't know if you can't <laughs> protest without getting beat up. Like, that's not free. Like so many other countries are so much more free than America. And yet so many Americans think that it's like the best, the freedom, the the best type of freedom that's ever existed. And I would love for people to wake up and and get proper freedom and proper, uh, you know, just uh, openness to, to things and, and, you know, society wise. And I think that it would be great if, if a lot of, if America could follow a lot of the, 
the path laid down by countries like Germany. Right. And, and I'm also, you know, I've seen on social media, like some of my friends have had this going on since like 2016 of like, Oh, I'm just going to move to another country. Like that's just, that's just a privileged thing to be able to just be like, you know, I don't like the way America's going. I'm out of here. I, for me, it's like, we need to think about people who can't afford to move out of here or, you know, don't have that as an option. So we need to fix every country really. But America is a, if we could make America better, uh, that would be a big, a big thing and help a lot of people out. So, whew. Well, yeah, Cody, thank you so much, man, for being on. You were a great guest. We went some places with that episode, <laughs> but I thought that was so fun. The culture of Berlin just seems magical. It seems amazing. This was a lot of fun. Um, when I first saw, like, you know, the whole concept of the show, and I was like, oh, man, that sounds like just a good chat, and uh, I'm glad it worked out. This is really great. 